You're tuning in to the ONP Check-In, an SPS podcast. I'm Brendan Erickson, a regional sales manager at SPS. And my name is Jackie Green, a marketing specialist at SPS. This show brings you the latest happenings in the ONP industry. We're unpacking trends and news from this tight-knit orthotics and prosthetics community. Thank you for joining us. Let's get started. Discover the future of prosthetics with Willowwood's Fiberglass MetaShock X. Experience the perfect blend of Meta unibody advantages like waterproofing and exceptional energy return with the responsive shock absorption and 40 degrees of torsional rotation of the MetaShock X, now in fiberglass. Upgrade now for a new era of mobility, durability, and comfort. Elevate your prosthetic journey with Fiberglass MetaShock X today. Thank you, Willowood, for sponsoring this episode. The 2023-2024 Pediatric Shoe Brochure is now available. The new edition features AFO-friendly kid and toddler options from Billy Footwear, like the Billy Goat and DR High and Low Tops. The brochure also includes the fashionable high and low top options from Apis Footwear. Visit the catalogs page under the resources tab on spsco.com to access the digital version or talk to your SPS sales account manager for a printed copy. Okay, hello podcast listeners. Today and this week we are super excited to be joined by OPC Prosthetic Center's Clinical Director, Anne Dubois. Welcome, Anne. Hi, Brandon. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Yeah, absolutely. This is going to be a fun one. First of all, again, I know you're super busy, so thank you for joining us. We're really excited to chat with you today about OPC's residency program. We know this is a super hot topic for a lot of the students out there as they near graduation. So we wanted to go to the source of truth and speak with someone that built OPC's residency program pretty much from the ground up. And your expertise in the area will be an incredible resource for us and for the students out there and for many of the young listeners that may be looking to do a residency. How about we start off with or share with us your background and what attracted you to the OMP field in general? Sure. What got me into OMP was my daughter. My daughter was six weeks premature. She had a perinatal stroke. She has hemiplegic cerebral palsy. She was prescribed an AFO by her physical therapist. And at the time, I had no idea what those letters meant. And I was a little too embarrassed to ask the PT what that was. But we went through the process of getting her a brace. And it, was, it wasn't a good process. It was a little bit traumatic for her and for me. And so I decided to look into this field to see if I could find a better option for her. And I was very fortunate to find that a school that offered an orthotics and prosthetics program was less than half a mile from my house. And I was already enrolled in that school. That was St. Petersburg College. I was just majoring in architecture. So I changed my major and became orthotist prosthetist to make my daughter's braces. So I still make them today. She's not my best patient. She's very opinionated. (laughs) The benefit to her is that she can do her own adjustments and I do make her do that. So she's 18 years old now. She can, she can pretty much do her own stuff in the lab. Wow. Good for you. That's a, that's a touching story and a great way to start off. Can you touch a little bit on what students can expect from a residency program at OPC? 
Absolutely, yes. So I think to kind of explain what they can expect, it really comes down to our motives for having residents at OPC. And really what we're looking for, our end game is that residents come to OPC, they learn as much as they can, they become clinicians with OPC, and they stay with us long term, eventually branching out to run their own offices. And because that's our end game, our residency program is set up to expose the residents to absolutely as much as we can. Right from day one, we want them participating in everything that the clinicians do at their comfort level. OPC is a medium-sized company, so we do have 26 different offices, and each of those offices runs a little bit differently. The teams in our offices are given a lot of autonomy to move their office forward the way that they feel is best for our patients. And our focus is it's very patient-centered. Our company is owned by a CPO, and his number one goal, his mission, is to improve the quality of prosthetic care for everyone. So we, we do give our clinicians and our residents a lot of freedom to really do what they think is best for patients. Almost all of our offices are very prosthetic focused, so we do not see very many orthotic patients. We have two offices where we can provide an orthotic residency, and that's our St. Petersburg office and our Sarasota office. Our other offices see probably 99% prosthetic patients, so we only offer prosthetic residencies at those locations. But residents can expect to see hundreds of prosthetic patients during their residency with OPC. Sounds like a super neat opportunity, and I bet knowing that there's 26 different locations, they can have exposure to totally different things from each one. You say they're pretty much have autonomy and they run them themselves. So kind of a cool spectrum for a student to see different approaches across the board. Am I correct in assuming that they would move around to different locations or do they stay in one location? How how does that work? So they're usually based out of one office. That would be their office that they're in. They would be with that mentor for their residency or for that portion of their residency. But we have the ability to allow residents to go to other sites, especially for unique opportunities. So if something were to come up that we don't see very often, a a halo application, a hip disarticulation prosthesis, upper extremity, like those types of things, we're able to allow our residents to, to move throughout our offices to gain certain experiences. We also have had cases where residents just express an interest in being in another office for a certain period of time. You know, maybe they want to spend a week in a certain office with a certain practitioner. Maybe they want to spend a month in another office with another practitioner. So we're very flexible in that. We really have the benefit of having some amazing clinicians at OPC. That's what makes us, I think, so strong. I think we have just amazing, amazing people who work at OPC who are incredibly knowledgeable, and every clinician we have is happy to share that knowledge and happy to learn as well, which I think is very important. We do find like a lot of residents come in and they have they have different knowledge than clinicians have who've worked for 20 or 25 years in the field. So we do promote that, that transfer of knowledge and, and allowing residents to move around to gain the experiences that they feel that they need. So you said you have 26 offices, is that correct? Yes. Okay, and are they all in Florida? 
Most of them are in Florida. We do have two in South Carolina and one in North Carolina. And then do you have any like partnerships with hospitals kind of maybe probably locationally focused or VA affiliations that residents get engaged on? We do. In our St. Petersburg office, we do hospital work for All Children's Hospital and Bayfront Hospital, which is a level one trauma center. Our Sarasota office works with Sarasota Memorial Hospital. Those are the only two offices where we have a contract per se with the hospital, where we deliver goods in the hospital. The rest of our offices do not have hospital contracts and they do not perform on-call for hospitals, but we do work with with all of the VA systems in Florida. That's cool. And so do the, do the residents have full capability within those, or do they need to be with their mentor? How does that work? It depends on where they are in their residency. So in the beginning, there is a lot of oversight as they're kind of getting up to speed and their comfort levels increasing, but they do, our residents do get to a level during residency when they feel that they're comfortable and their mentor feels that they're comfortable, that they can do those things on their own. I still remember that from when I was a resident, I was like the most happy person in the world to go do a hospital call. I was going to say, does that make those locations a little more popular for where residents want to be just based off of having access to that type of stuff? I think for some it does, but for others who maybe have been exposed to hospital calls, they would prefer to be somewhere where they're not on call. But I will say for our St. Petersburg and Sarasota locations, we're not doing a 24-hour, seven-day-a-week call. It's definitely a pared down type of experience. I think it's kind of the best of both worlds. You're not being called out in the middle of the night or every weekend, but you still get to experience working in that hospital. And for our other offices, while they don't have contracts with hospitals, our clinicians do go into the hospitals to see amputees shortly after amputation. And are there maybe some types of technologies that you guys are leveraging to assist with business and clinical processes and that residents would be excited to get their hands on? I don't know if it would be unique, but we do use TechMed. We use structure scanners and we have our own TechMed app. So we do scan limbs. We have Prevel carvers in both of our offsite labs. So we do have that technology and we're constantly looking to improve. So we'll be moving away from structure scanners shortly to the Liberty 2.0 phone scanners. That will be integrated into our own OP centers app. And then we do have, we, we work a lot towards efficiency in clinical care. Because we're patient-centered, we want our clinicians to be patient-facing for most of their hours. So we really don't want them behind computers documenting for hours a day. So we have a clinical documentation program, which assists, helps facilitate documentation for our clinicians. We do use OP software to document our clinical care, but our, our unique programs are in place to help cut down the time that our clinicians are spending documenting. I imagine the the youngins out there are so good at technology these days that maybe even residents bring in, you know, some cool ideas and some new technology, right? They really do. And that's something that we absolutely love. 
We have committees at OPC. We have a residency committee, a technology committee, a research committee. So our committees are designed so that everyone at OPC who's interested in these things can participate and kind of drive change in the company. It's great when residents get involved because they do have a lot of new ideas, especially with technology. It's amazing the things that they, that committee is able to explain to the rest of us. It's incredible. There are things going on that, that I would never have even dreamt of. But our technology committee currently, they have a 3D printer, they're making tools, they're making parts for prosthetic legs, they're working on making covers. So it's something where people get to have some fun and explore things, but also make some changes for the company, which which we love. We love moving forward and it it's wonderful to have residents who participate in that. They really are a driving force behind those committees. Cool. So let's talk about something that may be pretty fun and intimidating as well. The interview process. You know, what qualities do you look for that fit when with OPC and the students and, you know, how does it go? I think interview processes can always be a little frightening, but for me, when I interview residents, it's really just getting a feel for who they are and what they're looking for because we're looking for a good fit. Just, you know, can we offer that resident what they're looking for? And will, do I think that the personalities will like work well? I, I, we really want people to be happy when they go to work, right? You spend a lot of time at work. You shouldn't be unhappy. You should really enjoy the people that you work with. When I do interviews, it's really just kind of feeling out what, what the resident is looking for, what they want for their future, and, you know, what does that look like for them and what their ideal residency is and just seeing, like, do I have a place that meets those needs? I think all of the students who are graduating from the OMP programs with a master's degree, they all have what it takes to do this job. You know, they've, they've gotten the education, they've gone through the program. So now it's just a matter of them finding the place that works for them where they'll be able to continue their education and succeed. Right. So then on the flip side... What are questions that you like to hear the students asking you? Because I know you want to make sure they're a good fit, but also I feel like especially when you're just coming out of a grad program, you don't really take the time to think about if the company's right fit for you. So what are some questions that students could be asking to help determine if the program is right for them? So I think like to begin with, what they need to do is really sit down and figure out what it is that they are looking for? What's going to make them successful? Do they want to have a lot of freedom to just, you know, try things and maybe fail and then fix things? Or do they want someone next to them all of the time observing and taking things slowly? Do they want to do a lot of fabrication? Do they not really care much about fabrication? Do they want to see a lot of orthotic patients? Do they want to see a lot of prosthetic patients? And they need to know also what type of environment they want to be in. Do they want to be in a really large company that has a lot of resources? Do they want to be in a smaller company or a single practitioner company where it's one-on-one? There's so many different different ways that residencies look. And one is not better than the other, but one is certainly better for a single person than another is. So I think first they have to figure out what it is that they need to be successful and then ask the company, is this what you can provide? So for our company, our clinicians don't do a lot of our fabrication. We have lab managers and technicians who do a lot of the fabrication. So for me, if, if a resident asks, how much fabrication will I be doing? I want to do a ton of it then that's, you know, that may not be a good fit. 
And we can always work some things out where we arrange for exposure, but it's not the same as working in a place where the clinician's making everything themselves all day. Well, that's cool. So, I mean, what does a typical day look like for residents, maybe somebody that's finishing up their school? What could they expect once they find a a good spot to do their residency? So what they can expect here is basically doing everything that the practitioner is going to be doing during the day. We're definitely not interested in having residents opening shipping boxes and filing paperwork. They're going to be with, with the the clinician doing everything the clinician does and eventually doing all of those things independently as they progress. So a normal day would start just by pulling up their schedule, looking at the the physician's notes and the chart, kind of game planning the day. It's a good time for the resident and the mentor to decide the level of participation of the resident for the patients that are scheduled for the day. So does the resident, you know, if they're feeling comfortable, like I've seen this one, bunch of times I think I can do this one on my own I'd like to try on my own or I'd like to just observe you seeing the patient this time and you know it's a good time to kind of hash that out but really residents from day one will be with the clinician doing all of those things again we really want to help them get up to speed as an entry-level clinician by the time that they're done with their residency and and have them feel confident when they walk into their ABC exams knowing I've seen this I've done this. I know what I'm doing. I can do it in a testing situation. So how can students then prepare, would you say? Like, I'm sure you see a range of students come in. What stands out, the ones that are really well equipped to just like hit the ground running and really take off and ones that maybe need a little bit more help? I definitely see a difference. Some have had more exposure to patient interactions, patient care. Some have had more exposure to the technical aspects of the field, so they're used to looking at things in a certain way. And for me, there's no right or wrong. Any any experience is wonderful to have, but if you don't have that experience, we can certainly give you that experience here. For me, the number one thing that I, that I like to see in residents is the ability to understand when they're in over their head and they need to ask for some assistance. So overconfidence is a little frightening. We really are happy when our residents say, yes, I wanna do this one on my own, I'm gonna give it a try. We just have to know that if they are in over their head, they're able to say, now I need some help or I have a question. So asking questions is one of the best thing when people have a lot of, you know, I just wanna make sure, I was just asking about this. I wanna make sure this is correct. Those are all things that make us feel very confident because we know we can send you off to see a patient. And if it's not going well, you're definitely gonna speak up and let us know. And I hope that residents understand that we all do that. It doesn't matter how long we've been practicing. There are times when we think, you know what, I really just need somebody else to to help out with this. I need someone else's opinion. I need someone else to help with this patient. And there's nothing wrong with that. If the patient's getting the best care, that's what's important at the end of the day. That's just a good like life lesson, like knowing your limitations, knowing when to ask for help. And knowing when someone, like, and having the dependency for someone to come alongside you. I mean, it's just a good mindset, I think, to try and develop in general, but especially going into a residency type program. And I think our profession is a little bit unique in the fact that every patient presents differently, right? I mean, yes, there are genres and kind of a a wide scope of, yeah, they fall into this category, but really every single patient is different. And there really isn't a correct answer per se, but... 
I guess on the flip side, you being a mentor, do you sometimes just let them go down a road knowing that they've made a mistake, but you want them to continue learning? And how how does that involve you as a mentor and, and your teaching style? That's a great question. I, I do sometimes. I am a mom, though, and I do have, I, like, I struggle. I don't want somebody to feel bad. But we certainly aren't going to let anyone do anything that hurts a patient. But sometimes you learn a lot from mistakes. But also, sometimes I've learned just because I don't think it's correct doesn't mean it, it won't work. So I am 100% on board for being wrong and watching someone else be correct or just have a, another way to do it that maybe works better because I can always learn as well. As long as no one's going to get hurt and it's not going to be detrimental to the confidence of the resident, then yes, I think that going down a road and maybe having it not work out and then having to figure out how to fix the issue is a really important part of learning. So what do you see as like the most common challenges that students come up against during their residency? Is it time management? Is it learning the actual functional skills outside of being in a, I guess, a safe zone? I think one of the challenges that they face is that there are days in OMP where the profession just feels like piling it on you. Like you could see a patient and you don't, you feel like you didn't do well. And the next patient, you just feel like you didn't do well. And it just kind of snowballs and it's easy to get down on yourself. Luckily, we have days where you fit things and it's it's the greatest thing ever and every patient is happy. So it can be difficult to navigate that. It's It can be difficult to not know how to fix something or make that patient happy. It's just a, it's difficult for everyone, right? We want to we wanna help people. We want to make people happy. So I think that's one of the challenges. Another challenge, it is the time management because residents, they're learning a new job, learning a new place. They, they're being exposed to a lot of challenging things, but they also have to think about their exams, studying, their future, student loans. They, they have a lot in their minds, right? So it can be difficult to juggle all of that. Um, now they can take their combined written ABC exam after they graduate from school. So a lot of times right in the beginning of residency, they're studying for that and juggling that. And then they have to think about their um, other board exams once they've completed residency. So I think it can be very difficult to work that full day and then spend your nights studying for those exams as well. Um, so that can be a challenge for sure. I bet going from a scholastic atmosphere to real world, you're now exposed to all sets of, um, I don't know, common burdens just in people's lifestyles. Like we, we've talked in the past about people not showing up to events or they don't have the transportation or whatever the, I guess, barrier to access of care can be, how do the residents deal with it when they're seeing this for the first time? Or even just, just how crazy life can be sometimes, you know? I mean, when you're, when you're studying and it's scholastic, you're kind of like, yeah, okay, they present this, I can provide that. And then you throw in the real world on top of it. Like you said, you're a mom and you had a daughter that needed patient care, but there's a lot of single moms out there that can't get their kids in at the right time. And then you as a practitioner need to, you know, massage yourself around that and make it work, you know? Yes, I think that I think that's a it's really good for residents to experience that and to have that compassion and empathy for people who are in different situations that maybe they hadn't known about um, known about before. It definitely helps them grow as clinicians, but I do think that that is a major learning experience that we all have 
in in ONP and but you you can't let that you know bog you down sometimes stories are very very sad but we have to focus on the fact that we're trying to make things better we're trying to improve quality of life for people and we really have to take comfort in that that we're doing everything we can to help improve the quality of life for people who may be having a very difficult time so while i think it's very challenging it's probably the most fulfilling part of our job that we do we can make a huge difference in the mindset of people um, following amputation and i know firsthand we can make a huge difference for parents of children with disabilities just feeling that there's someone who's understands us who sees our children who is looking out for the, the best for our children is a wonderful thing we've talked about burnout on a, a podcast with jerry stark we've talked about the changing demographic of people coming in through the schools have you noticed any patterns and any tips for success for residents that might be experiencing, you know, kind of that big shock, like, oh, wow, now I'm in this? Mm-hmm. Uh, it may be a little late for residents, but I do recommend that prior to getting in the field, you do shadow and really see what the actual day-to-day is, not a curated day-to-day, but a real day-to-day. Um, but as a resident, it will be very important to see what a day-to-day is like for the person that you will be mentored by if you're going to take a residency position. Um, it just depends on the company and the office, the clinician. But for some people in OMP, there's a lot of driving. There's a lot of going into people's homes, which is not always comfortable to do that. You know, the, there may be large dogs. There may be, you know, the house can be hoarded. that can be dirty. There can be holes in the floor. Like we encounter a lot of situations when we do that that are unknown that we walk into. And that's something that not everyone's comfortable with some people don't want to have to do hospital calls for instance like those things if you if you don't like them and you don't want to do them they will burn you out so don't take that residency position like find one that really feels like it's right for you and if that means waiting a little bit i know it can be tempting to jump into a residency because you have to have a residency to continue your education but i would caution residents against jumping into something that they know in their heart is not going to be a good fit for them where they're not going to be happy because they will burn out. Yeah, you probably never know what you're going to get either. And and I, I feel like maybe some people have this idea that, oh, I'm going to go in and I'm going to be doing a ton of uppers. I'm going to be providing myoelectric hands and, you know, pattern recognition and all that. And it's just not a reality that that's at your every day. So I think, like you said, I mean, you've hit a lot of life lessons here and one of them is expectations, preparation. So very good. Do you have anything else that you would like to add? Yes. So I would say if uh, students are interested in a residency at OPC, we will have any available residencies up on OP ResCast. Um, And I would definitely like to thank the owner of OPC, Paul. He allows us to provide the, the best patient care. And I think I speak for all of the clinicians at OPC when I say we really appreciate him and, and what he does and the business that he's built for us. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us. And students out there, please reach out to Anne if you have, you know, desire to work with OPC. And you can get more information. All the links will be in our show notes. And thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Anne. I know you're super busy. Really appreciate you. Thank you so much. Thank you for tuning in to the ONP Check-In, an SPS podcast.
If you haven't already, be sure to subscribe to the show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to episodes. And while you're at it, rate and review the podcast to help fellow ONP professionals find us. Email us your topic suggestions and feedback at SPS Podcast at SPSCO.com. See you next time. 